I'm going to ask if we could all open our Bibles today to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 61. We're continuing our little three-week series. This is the third and final week, thinking about why is the church in the world? What is the purpose of the church? If you were to travel through Europe today, which would be very difficult to do during this pandemic, but if, if there were no pandemic and you could travel through Europe, you would notice hundreds of churches, beautiful churches, huge churches that are no longer churches. They have turned into museums, and what used to be places where people would come, and the place would be packed, and the people would be worshiping, and the Bible would be preached, and people would be saved, now those churches are no longer even churches. They're giving tours. It's a museum, and the, the tour guides are pointing out what used to be, and you wonder, how did this happen? How have so many churches in Europe turned into museums? Well, in many and maybe probably most of those cases, what has happened there is that back in the 1800s, the late 1800s, the early 1900s, instead of preaching the Bible, instead of preaching that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven, they kind of started watering everything down and they kind of started making it more, you know, socially and politically acceptable. And as a result of that, those churches got away from the clear purposes that God had spelled out for the church in the Bible. And so before we get into this sermon today, and before we even put anything on the screen, I want to see how carefully you've been listening and how well we're learning the three purposes of the church. And so what I want to do is count to three, and when I get to three, I want to see, I'm going to point to you and see if you can tell me the first purpose of the church. One, two, three. Lift up Jesus. Okay, good. You got that one. So we know the first purpose is to lift up Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And we lift up Jesus in our church through authentic worship and also through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Now, let's see if we can do, on the count of three, purpose number two. One, two, three. To build up believers, we are here not only to lift up Jesus, that's first, that's primary, but also to build up believers so that our faith will be stronger, so that we'll have more of an awareness of God's presence, so that we can discover God's will for our lives, and ultimately, so we can even find our ministry within the church. And so you're right, that's purpose number two. Now, purpose number three, I haven't even done a sermon on it yet, but we have talked about it in the previous two sermons. Let's see, on the count of three, if you know purpose number three. One, two, three. Reach out to others. Has that been on the screen all along? Have y'all just been reading that? Or did y'all know that? It's not been up there. Okay, I thought y'all were so good. Okay, you're still good. Reach out to others. The church is here to reach out to others. As important as it is to lift up Jesus, as important as it is to build ourselves up in the faith, it is also important that we take the gospel message beyond the walls of this church so that we can reach out to others. Now, in Isaiah chapter 61, this is a fascinating passage of Scripture. In fact, when Jesus came along about 700 years after this had been written, one day he was in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth on the Sabbath day, and they were having a worship service just like we're having a worship service today. And at one point in that service, Jesus went to the front of the room to that synagogue, and he took the Old Testament scroll of Isaiah and he unrolled the scroll, and he found what we know as chapter 61, and he began reading this passage of Scripture. 
And when he finished reading it, he said something very interesting to those in attendance that day. He said, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Everyone who was Jewish knew that Isaiah 61 was a clear reference to the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world who would one day come. And so when Jesus read this and then he said, this is about me, I have fulfilled this, he was claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God, which indeed he was. But let's look, Isaiah chapter 61, as we think about that we are first of all to reach out to those who are hurting, to those who are hurting. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them, now listen to this phrase, beauty for ashes to give them the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so Jesus here, when he read that, and we read that in Luke chapter 4, he was saying, this is the reason I have come to the earth. Now, earlier in the week when I was preparing this message, and I, I read that passage in Isaiah 61, and I was trying to process and think about all the people that Jesus came to help. And, and listen again, I, I just read much of this, but listen how I've broken it down into categories, and see if you can find yourself today in one of these categories. He came to help the poor. The brokenhearted. I know people here today, are bro some are brokenhearted. Captives, the bound, those who are mistreated, those who are mourning, those who have a spirit of heaviness. Do you have a spirit of heaviness today? Sometimes we all get that where there's like a cloud that just settles in over our life and, and we're kind of depressed. We just don't have the same excitement about life. Now Jesus came, just from the verses we read, listen to what he came to do, to encourage he came to heal, to proclaim liberty. He came to set people free. He came to give comfort, to console people. He came to give, I love this phrase again, beauty for ashes. Do you sometimes feel like your life is just one big ash heap, like all of your hopes and dreams for the future just went up in, in smoke and all you're left is with the ashes? Well, Jesus said that he has come to replace those ashes with beauty, to do something beautiful in your life in the midst of that ash heap, to give them joy instead of mourning. God doesn't want us to go around mourning and being sad all the time. Now, sometimes we grieve, certainly, but he doesn't want us to live that way all the time. He wants us to be joyful, and he doesn't want us to have that spirit of heaviness. He wants us to have an attitude of praise in our heart. And so all of that to say, our job is to reach out to those around us, in our community, even in our church, who are hurting. I heard a pastor say years ago, and I think this is so true, he said to those of us, uh, this has been many years when I heard this, and he was kind of talking to those of us who were younger in the ministry, and he said, remember this, when you stand up on Sundays to preach, whether you're in a small country church or a large city church or some medium-sized church in the middle, remember this, there's a broken heart on every pew. And, you know, I've been preaching long enough now to know that that's true. Even in this service today, I've, I can 
almost guarantee you that on every pew, there's a broken heart. Well, friend, if there's a broken heart on every pew, then we certainly know this is true. In our community, there is a broken heart in every home. People are sad. People are discouraged. People are depressed. People's lives, they feel like, is one big ash heap, and they're ready to give up. They're brokenhearted. And so what are we to do? We are to reach out, just like Jesus has done, to encourage them, to build them up, to lift their spirits, and to help them to know that with God, they will be okay. Now, how do we reach out to people who are hurting? Well, You know, here at First Baptist, and this would be true not only for our church, but for every church, we have ways that we try to help people who are going through especially difficult times in their life. And I want to mention several of those today. First of all, on Tuesday nights, and we have just started this back a few weeks ago, and and I'm going to give some illustrations today, and some of these may be something that you want to take advantage of. We have a group that meets on Tuesday nights at 6.30, if they are going through a time of grief in their life, maybe they've lost a loved one, somebody has died, and so they're, they're grieving. And maybe you're in that, in that situation today. And so I would encourage you this Tuesday night at 6.30, park on this side of the church, go through the E-wing doors, and you'll find a class that says Grief Share. And that could be a real blessing to you. I think it's like a 12 or 14 week session. They've already completed five weeks, but you don't have to have gotten to the first. You can just start any time. Also at that same time, on Tuesday nights at 6.30, come through the E-wing doors, we have a class called Divorce Care. For people who are going through the agony and the pain of a divorce, or maybe have been through it in the past, and still processing that and trying to deal with that before the Lord and in their own hearts as best they can. Uh, Divorce Care meets on Tuesday nights at 6.30. And also on Tuesday nights at 6.30, we have a group of, that we have a meeting for those who are struggling with addictions to alcohol, to drugs, gambling, pornography, maybe those who are even Uh, just going through, you're trying to recover from something. People have gone through that who have even been battling a deep depression, and even though it's not necessarily a a class-owned depression, you can benefit uh, by going to this class. And that is called the Christian Recovery Ministry. And it's led by a man in our church named Bobby Grimes. Bobby was in the first service. I wish he were in this service because uh, he was sitting right down here. Bobby, for those of you who don't know, this is his testimony. He played football at the University of Houston, Uh, back uh, years ago. He stands about six feet five inches tall. He's about 300 pounds. And uh, he, he and his family used to own Stone's Gym in Clear Lake. And that's where our family got to know Bobby. And I've always said to him, Bobby, you and I should make a billboard together for Stone's Gym and put it up all across Houston, and I can be the before picture and you're the after picture because, I mean, this guy is strong. But Bobby battled drugs and alcohol and just everything imaginable, and God set him free and delivered him from that. And so he leads on Tuesday night at 6.30. Now, that one's in the Fellowship Center, and also on Thursday night in the Fellowship Center. Other people leave the Thursday night meeting at 6.30. And you might want to go. It's interesting. This February, our Christian Recovery Ministry will be celebrating, this is hard to believe, 15 years of trying to minister to those who are going through one of these type struggles in their life. 15 years. And so yesterday, I was, Bobby and I were texting back and forth, and I said, Bobby, how many people have been through the ministry 
in these 15 years. And Bobby is, is a very humble person. He was very reluctant to give me that number. He said, John, I don't know. I don't really want to put a number out there. He said, and you also have to keep in mind, not everybody has stayed with the ministry. Some have come and they've quit and they've not. St- so they're still battling addictions. They're still in destructive lifestyles. He said, but if you're going to press me on that, and I was just amazed by this number, in the last 15 years, between four and 5,000 people have been through the Christian recovery ministry. Many are going through it. Now, many have been saved, and many have been baptized, and you've even seen Bobby baptizing some big old guy. If he baptized you, I'm telling you, you're baptized. If you've been baptized by Bobby, you're, and he texts me between the service. He said, John, somebody came up to me in the restroom uh, between services and said, hey, I heard John talking about you and what a good job you do baptizing. Would you mind baptizing me? I think Bobby was going to baptize him right there. We said, no, Bobby, not in the restroom. Wait, do it up there in the, uh, do it in the baptism. But anyway, that's something we have, Christian recovery ministry. Also, something else we do, and I say we because a lot of people go into the, when we do a little booklet like this, there are a lot of people that are involved in this. And we put one together recently called When My Heart is Overwhelmed. I mentioned it two weeks ago. I forgot to mention it last week. We've already given away probably 3,000 of these. But, you know, I think everybody's overwhelmed right now with this pandemic. I mean, people were overwhelmed before the pandemic, and this just many times made it worse. And this week, we not only have the booklet, but we have a matching bookmark. Are you impressed with that? We have a matching bookmark. And the title of this, When My Heart is Overwhelmed, 12 Steps to mental and emotional freedom. And I talk a lot in here about anxiety, stress, depression, uh, a lot of these things. So even if you've already gotten one of these, if you hadn't, get one on the way out. If you, if you have, get some and take them to some friends. We've got several thousand out there today. So hopefully that will be a blessing. But the point I'm trying to make here is that it is our job to reach out to those who are hurting. And I want to say to the person in this room today or to the person who's joining us at home, if you are hurting today, physically, emotionally, relationally, psychologically, financially, if you are hurting today, you are very near to the heart of God. Jesus Christ came to help those who are hurting, and He cares and we care, and the message of the Bible and the message of the church is that God can help us when we're hurting. Amen? Now, that's the first group we're reaching out to, those who are hurting. Second of all, we need to reach out to those who have lost hope. Now, it's, it's bad to be hurting, but it's even worse to lose hope. In other words, when a person loses hope, they have nothing to look forward to. What is hope? Hope is faith in the future tense. And so when a person is filled with hope, if today I'm filled with hope, and I am, I'm able to look in my future 10 years from now, when it's 2030, 15 years from now, 2035, and I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what God's plans are for me. But when I look into my future, I see something good. I see something that I'm excited about. I am anticipating what God has planned for me. And that's how God wants us to live. The Bible said, God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you, now listen to this, a future and What's the next two words? A hope, to give you a future and a hope. And so hope is faith in the future tense. It is looking out into the future and saying, God, I don't know what you've got planned, but I know it's good. And God wants us to live with that hope, but the devil wants to take our hope away. And that's why the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so when a person looks out into the future 
five years from now, for example, or even six months from now, and says, I've got nothing to look forward to. Well, you've lost hope. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes you depressed. It makes you discouraged. It brings you down. And so that's why I was saying earlier, when we're singing these, having this worship time for God, what are we doing? We're declaring our faith. We're declaring our hope. We're singing, I'm going to see a victory. See, that's what a hope-filled person says. I'm going to see a victory. A person who has lost hope says, no, all my victories are in the past. I don't have anything to look forward to. Friend, I want to say this to you today. As long as God is on his throne and as long as your heart is still beating, you have plenty to look forward to in the future. God has things planned for you out there, and there's hope, and there's reason for us to be excited about what God would have. Now, In Luke chapter 24, we read about these two disciples who had been in Jerusalem on the weekend that Jesus was crucified. And they had believed with all of their heart that he was the Messiah. They had seen him die. They had seen him be buried. And they were expecting him to come back to life again because that's what he said he was going to do. But on that early Easter Sunday morning when when others went to the tomb, they noticed that the tomb was empty, but they couldn't find Jesus. And they knew that some were saying he is risen, but they didn't believe it because they hadn't seen Jesus. And in Luke chapter 24 and verse 21, what was happening to them, they had left Jerusalem. They were traveling back to Emmaus, which was the town they were from. They were very discouraged. And Jesus joined them on that walk. And yet they didn't know it was Jesus because he had not revealed himself to them. He was was in disguise as far as they were concerned. And Jesus said to them, what are you all talking about? And so they said, well, you know, who we thought was the Messiah was, he died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried, and now the tomb's empty, but, but we haven't seen him. And here's what they said to Jesus. They said, we were hoping. Those are three sad words. We were hoping. What were they hoping? They were hoping that he had risen from the dead. But because they hadn't seen that with their eyes, they had lost their hope. Well, as the story goes on, Jesus revealed himself to them and revealed that he had risen from the dead and that he was indeed the one speaking to them. But the point of that is, here are these two men who had lost hope. And so Jesus left Jerusalem on Easter Sunday, not long after he had risen from the dead. He went out of his way He pursued them to say to them, I'm the one you're looking for, and I I have come to restore your hope. As I was mentioning Bobby's group and those who are battling those addictions all around us, uh, you know, it's been in our hearts here at First Baptist for quite some time to have a, a facility here in town where people who were not just battling addictions, but it had gone even worse than that, and they've lost hope, and many of them having legal troubles, financial troubles, where they could come and, and not only find encouragement and help, but where they could for a short time actually live. And you might remember that several years ago, not too many, but a few years ago, Matthew Barnett flew to Houston from Los Angeles. He runs the Dream Center out there. And if you've ever been to Los Angeles and seen the Dream Center, you know that it is a beautiful facility for those with addictions. And they're just hooked. And many of them have been in prison. In fact, the Dream Center is so respected in Los Angeles that many of the judges out there are letting prisoners serve out part of their sentence in the Dream Center. They're living there. They're working. They're learning about God. 
Many of them are being saved. They have responsibilities. They're being helped with their addiction. And so the Dream Center has really been kind of challenging for us. And we thought, well, could we have a, a Dream Center here in our town? Probably, probably wouldn't call it the Dream Center. Probably come up with a, with a different name. And so several have been involved in trying to find some land in the area where this could happen. And just like God led us to Chris to be our worship leader for this service, God has led us to a piece of land in the north part of Pasadena, right across the street from the old church. In fact, I want us to see, we have a video drone that was, uh, that was, that was done last week. That is the land. That used, that's right next to the old hospital. That used to be the, uh, where the Pasadena city inspectors worked. And back during Hurricane Ike, it got flooded, and so the building got torn down. And so the city has now put that up for sale. And so we came across that land, and we're interested in buying that land, and indeed that land has now been purchased. Now, I want to say this. That land did not cost First Baptist Church one penny. In fact, First Baptist Church doesn't even own that land. That land is now owned by our ministry, Peace by Believing, which was a ministry we started years ago to try to get the gospel beyond the walls of this church through a prison ministry, through a radio ministry, and now it's going to be with this uh, Dream Center or whatever, whatever it's going to end up being called. That, I'll tell you how good God is. And, and by the way, we've all heard the saying, my dad even wrote a little booklet with this, where God guides, God provides. If you believe that, say amen. He does. Where he guides, he provides. He put on our heart to start a contemporary service. He led us to Chris and Ashley and their family. Put on our heart to start a Dream Center type facility. He put this. Here's what happened. That land was going to cost $106,000, and it, that is what it cost. And so peace by believing, just in the last few couple of three weeks, bought that land. But the only way that was possible is because one family in our church who so desperately wants to see this ministry, they wrote a check to Peace by Believing for $106,000 and designated it for that piece of land. And so there it is. Now, as I said, currently that hasn't cost the church a penny. But going forward, the church, certainly we need to partner with Peace by Believing, just like we partner with the Salvation Army, the Bridge, Sarah's House, the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and these other ministries in town, and we need to help. And we need to begin to pray. And if you're driving by the old church, and you drive down Curtis, and you see that, put your hand out and pray. Say, God, provide for the building. And not only that, God, that many would be saved and that many would be reached. What are we trying to do? We're trying to reach out to those who are hopeless. Now, just a review before I go any further. We're talking about the purpose of the church, the purposes of the church. Why are we here? To lift up Jesus, to build up believers, to reach out to others beyond the walls of this church, to those who are hurting, to those who are hopeless, but also to those who need to make heaven their home. That's, let me say this. It's important to reach out to those who are hurting. It is important to reach out to those who are hopeless, but it's 10 times more important to reach out to those who need to make heaven their home. We're talking now about helping people who are currently unsaved, and if they should die today, would go to hell forever. We're helping people like that to find what we have found in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, assurance of salvation, and an eternal home in heaven with God. And so we're talking about helping people to go to heaven 
instead of go to hell. This is what it's all about. This is why the church is here. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 28, because at the end of his earthly ministry, just before he returned to earth, Jesus spoke some very interesting words to his disciples. We know it as the Great Commission. And these are some of the last words he spoke. In fact, when you compare this with the first chapter of Acts, uh, you know, these are some of the very last words. It's, he probably spoke the words in Acts right after he said this. But notice what he says. All authority, chapter 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what was Jesus saying? He was saying, your job is not only to help those who are hurting, it's part of it, not only to help those who are hopeless, that's part of it, but your job is to go out and help those who are unsaved, who are, who are on their way to hell to receive me as Lord and Savior so that when they die, they can go to heaven. That is the Great Commission, and that is why we are here. You know, just in the last, you don't need me to tell you, but in the last few weeks, the last several months, we have seen... So many people get saved. I can't remember a time where we've ever seen this many people get saved in this short amount of time. I mean, we're still in a pandemic. The crowds are 35, maybe now we're up to 40% of normal, and yet we're seeing three and four times the people get saved. I mean, last week, 12 people got saved. This week, I'm hoping more people will get saved. But what I'm saying is our job is to lift up Jesus, to share his grace, love, hope, and forgiveness with people. And when we do that, not only does that speak to people in the room, it speaks to those outside the room. And if we'll take the gospel, you know, I mentioned peace by believing. That's our, a major part of what peace by believing is, is our radio ministry. And God has made it possible, and it's a very, it's a small ministry. I call it our little radio ministry. I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just saying it's our little radio ministry. We're just getting started. But God has opened a door for us to be on in Houston every Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock and at 6 o'clock on 100.7 FM. Sunday mornings we're on that same channel at, at station at 8. We're on, some, we're on Sirius on Sunday mornings all across the United States and Canada. And God just keeps little by little opening doors. Uh, several months ago, God opened a door for us to be on a radio station in Pittsburgh and in Indianapolis Monday through Friday on, in a good morning out good times on both of those stations and we've heard from listeners in Indianapolis and we've heard from listeners in Pittsburgh and we got an email I wish I had it with me today we got an email just a few weeks ago from a man in Pittsburgh and he said I just want y'all to know there at Peace by Believing that I'm loving hearing the program and he said the other day I was listening the other morning I was listening to your radio program and he said it was the day when you were interviewing your mother after the Lord had healed her of lymphoma so that was a year ago when that, when that service took place. And he said, I just want you to know how awesome your mother is. And he didn't say anything about how awesome I am. I mean, <laughs> he, didn't say, he didn't even imply anything good about me. He said, I'm telling you what, your mother is cool. She is awesome. That was a powerful testimony. And more important than that, he said, I want you to know at the end of the program, when you prayed that prayer, I prayed along with you. And now I know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in my heart. This is a man in Pittsburgh. I mean, what I'm saying is God 
open that door. And so when God opens the door, we want to walk through it. You know, I was mentioning our, the Dream Center, whatever it ends up being called, and how that land has been purchased. A week ago yesterday, our family all met down there just to see the land and to have a prayer over it and pray God's blessings on that. And it was just a beautiful time. And when we, when we finished talking and praying, we all just kind of went our own separate ways. And, and I was driving down Curtis Street, if you're familiar with that part of Pasadena, down by City Hall and again by our old church. And I turned on Pasadena Boulevard, which is right where our First Baptist Church used to be located until we, until we moved out here. And as I looked at the old church, I just had so many happy memories. Many of you spent even more time in that church than our family did, and we spent a long time there. And I just, my mind just, you know, sometimes you'll, maybe you go back to your childhood home and your mind just like, you can just remember a lot of things at once. When I looked in the parking lot, I remembered an experience I had had there one day that as I look back on it was really one of the happiest experiences of all the years we spent at that location. On a particular day, I had preached a funeral, and when the funeral was over, the graveside was going to be in Houston. And so the funeral director and I were friends, and he said, John, why don't you just ride with me to the cemetery? It's not uncommon for the minister and funeral director to ride together. So I did. When he was going to drop me off at the end, his funeral home was just right around the corner from the old church. And so we rode out there and had a good talk and had the graveside service. We were driving back across town. And you know, we had talked about sports, politics, the weather, the economy, church, business, everything. But I felt it in my heart that I should say something to him about the Lord. And I know you've had that experience. You just feel like you want to say something, but you don't always know how to get the conversation started. But I just, it was like God was saying to me, try to see if this man is saved. Try to figure that out and see if you can have that conversation. So we got back to the church. We were sitting in the parking lot. He put his car in park, and it's time for me to get out and go back to work. And, but before I got out of the car, I just really wanted to to somehow get in this conversation and you know I was trying to think what would be a smooth way to get in that conversation and when I tell you my my line you're going to think man that guy is such a smooth operator so what I said to this guy he's a funeral director I said well I guess in your line of work you think a lot about death <laughs> that's what I said he looked at me as if to say I don't know where you were educated but you're one of the sh sharpest knives in, in the drawer I know because yes in my line of work I think a lot about death so I said that and he laughed and said, yes, I do. I said, I guess, you know, you're probably at a funeral most every day. He said, you know, you're really catching on to how this, how this works. And then he said, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. He said, uh, I am in a funeral virtually every day. And, and he said, I do think a lot about, a lot about death. And, and he said, it's interesting. I hear all kind of different things said at the services. He said, I hear Baptist preachers like you, and you all say one thing. He said, I hear Methodist ministers, and, and they pretty much say the same thing. He said, I hear people from different religions. I hear Catholic priests. I hear it from every different angle. And he said, to be totally honest with you, it's very interesting to me to hear all the different leaders talk about death and what happens after a person dies. And I said to this gentleman, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about what's going to happen to you when you die? I just felt led to kind of put the question that direct. And he said, well, to be totally honest with you, I've been thinking about that lately. Because when I'm in the back of the chapel listening to the ministers tell about all this stuff, it's, it's kind of new to me. I don't understand a lot about it. And, 
And I have been thinking a lot about what's going to happen to me when I die. And when he said that, it was just like God gave me an open door to say to him, to tell him the gospel, that, that all of us have sinned, and yet God wants to forgive us of our sins because he loves us. And God's not a mean, mad, angry God. God is a gracious, merciful, forgiving God. And that's why he sent Jesus. He died on that cross to pay for our sins. He shed his blood. His blood washes our sins away. He was buried. He rose again. He conquered death. He makes it possible for us to go to heaven forever. I said something like that. And then I said to him, I said, hey, before I get out of your car and go back to the office, I said, just right here in this parking lot, would you by chance be interested in praying and asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and to be your Savior? And he said, you know, John, I really would. Is there any way we could do that? And I had the privilege that day of helping that man pray a very simple prayer and lead in, for him to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I looked at that parking lot the other day, and my mind went back to that. Now, I know that we're not in a, in a car right now, and I doubt very seriously that any of you here are funeral directors. But I know this, if Jesus tarries, we're all going to die. And the Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? That means to those of us in this room, and that means to those of us who are joining at home, that God has given us a, des a desire, and not only a desire, the capability to live forever. And with that, he has given us a natural concern for what will happen to our souls when one day our body dies. I'm praying as we have this closing prayer that I'm going to lead you in a salvation prayer that many people right now will do what that man did in my car many years ago, will do what so many have done in this, in this room in the past several weeks and months, that if you're not 100% sure that you're saved, that you will hear this message today from, from God's Word to you. You're not saved by doing good works. You're not saved by going to church. You're not saved by taking communion or even by being baptized. You are saved by receiving Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. All those other things are important, but that's not how we get saved. And so today, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would like to say, John, I want to know beyond the shadow of any doubt that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Tell him that. If you prayed that prayer, tell him. Say, Lord, I trust you. That will seal it for you in your own heart. I trust you to save me. Tell him this. Say, God, I don't look for a sign. I don't ask for some mystical feeling. I stand on your word that if I would trust you, you would save me. And Jesus, I may not have the strongest faith in the world, but with all the faith I have, I trust you right now to be my Lord.